0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast, hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck.
0: Here they come. What's going on, everybody? This is another edition of the Clap Your Hands podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports. Make sure you download that Odyssey app. Brought to you by 94WIP. Hit that auto download button. You get all the episodes first. And Kyle, man, brought to you by, it feels like it's been forever since we've talked. It feels like there's been 18 chapters of Sixers Rumors. The, the actual games feel like it was forever ago. Last time I talked to you, I was looking at your beautiful wedding photo the entire time. Now you have a whole <laughs> new background. Like, what's up, man? How you doing?
1: Oh, uh, you know, just completing the process of moving into a new home. <laughs> and, uh, of course, as that happened... My webcam broke, and so Obviously. that was another fun complication to what has been a a long and expensive journey so far. so we'll uh we'll hope that nothing else breaks at least doesn't break that we're not prepared for. yeah, uh, but yeah, man, it feels good to be in the new office. It's a lot roomier. I got a little balcony out here that you oh, can't see you if I turn on like the wide lens, you could see it, but then you'd see all the BS that's all over my office floor right now because we're still organizing stuff. So yeah, I'm, well, I'm ready to say, go. The,
0: uh, the new office has a new nice paint of coat. It's funny. Me, uh, the group texts we have with me, you and producer James, uh, we got like pictures throughout the process and man, it's funny you just painted Cause this weekend we painted and my, we, I mean, my wife, Kristen painted a house, a uh, room in our house. And I don't know if you helped with the painting, but let me tell you, there is no more like feeling of helplessness than when I'm just sitting in the middle of a room, Kristen's doing all the painting and she's like, hand me, hand me this, hand me this. And I'm like, I am just completely useless when it comes to, uh, to any household, uh, chores or or helping or anything like that.
1: Uh, So we had family that came and essentially did it for us, which is, uh, unbelievably kind of them that i'll never be able to pay them back for (laughs) essentially my role was to get them food keep them hydrated and also just like move heavy stuff if it needed to get out of the way like that's what a flex i'm fine with that i mean look i'm not exactly uh arnold schwarzenegger in his prime over here (laughs) so it wasn't like real heavy stuff but just like you know the big boxes that we have around the house
0: well, speaking of heavy lifting, somebody in Harden's camp is certainly doing some heavy lifting. Uh, this, uh, this What a athlete. segue. You like that? Thank you. I thought that was good the second I thought of it. I'll give you the uh, the Jokic assist on that one for bringing up uh, heavy lifting. But um, let's just get right into Harden. I do have some, some big picture Sixers thoughts. I feel as if uh, I'm fighting the good fight on Twitter every day defending this franchise. But we'll get into that in a little bit. James Harden, let's just get right into it, because since we've last talked, uh, there's probably been, I don't know, a rumor a day about the Rockets have a ton of interest. Uh, Brian Wittenhorst says today he thinks it's probably just leverage. There is a Keith Pompey article uh, you know, that people essentially took as like, he's going. I don't think that was what the article said. The article basically said the the sense he's getting from talking to people is that this could very well happen. Um, there's been talks about money, 200 million, whether he's worth, worth the max, whether he's not. So I'm curious from your perspective, uh, as a, as a plugged in Sixers reporter, just what do you make of all of it? Uh, if you want to add maybe anything you're hearing, not like, what, what do you think of all this James Harden stuff?
1: Well, one, what I make of it is James having an agent means you're going to hear a lot from yes. a lot of different people rather than when he was kind of on his own there for a while it's if it's not coming from him or somebody very close to him then well quick you don't really need to trust it
0: quick question so last offseason he didn't have an agent is that correct
1: i believe yeah i'm trying to remember the timeline of everything he's had a weird situation he's essentially had a manager for a long time he was like a close friend of his yeah and when he was trying to i think it was when he was trying to get out of houston he hired an agent specifically to help, like, engineer he that happened. and, like, get him to... So there's been a lot of weird, like, has an agent or has a manager, but not, like, a real, like, oh, it's name drop a guy off the top of your head. Like, like Drew Rosenhaus in the NFL, right. for example. Like, oh, he's not represented by this guy. It was just well, kind of a
0: weird... The reason I ask is because I remember last year when he was a free agent, it felt like there was no... He wasn't even a free agent, but you know what I mean? When he was like, whether or not he was going to pick absorption in the new contract, there was mm-hmm. like no rumors at all. And now there are just constant rumors all the time. So, so anyway, just uh, back to what you were saying.
1: Yeah, well, so some of that is also that he looked a lot worse last year physically <laughs> yeah, in general and like did not reach the ceiling that he did in the playoffs. Um, but anyway, so I would say big picture here, the takeaway is that even if you're not plugged in, it's like there's too much smoke regarding Houston to just be like, nah, he wouldn't go there. He's not going to win there or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. Clearly, there is some fondness for Houston that is hard to discount in the free agency sweepstakes for Harden, I guess. What I am skeptical of is the... And I, I trust Brian Windhorst and I trust the people who have thrown around big numbers. I just don't see somebody paying him $200 million. And that includes the Sixers. Like I think the Sixers want James back, but I don't see them getting to that top line number, partially because I don't think there's somebody else out there. Who's like, we really want to pay James $200 million. Like, I think if you were to ask, you know, the entire league, and that includes Houston and maybe Houston is the, the lone exception here. You're to ask the executives, Like, hey, do you want James on your team? I'd say most teams would say probably yes, right? Like, Mm -hmm. unless he's somebody who actively conflicts with what you have going on, he's a really talented, really smart offensive player. But once you start getting into that, you know, over $150 million territory over the next five years, we've seen the highs and lows that James Harden can go through. Not only Was that a crazy playoff series for Harden? That's just kind of the norm for him in the playoffs where he can swing back and forth between, wow, that guy scored 42 points and single-handedly won you a game. And then a game or two later, he looks like he doesn't even want to be on the court and is disinterested in scoring and is deferring, deferring, deferring. And so I think teams at this point in his career are going to be honest about what he has to offer. This is not also a situation where, like, Jimmy Butler, when he left Philadelphia and he got a max deal from Miami, one, he was younger than James Harden, although he went through the Tom Thibodeau uh, minutes program. So you never <laughs> yeah, know what that's going to do to the guy's body. Yeah. Two, he also is a two way player. So, like, if Jimmy had fallen off at age 30, 31, 32, whatever it is physically as an offensive guy you can at least say all right we're getting some kind of two-way floor from him with James it's either shots are going in or he's basically worthless so Mm -hmm. um I just I don't see it in terms of that 200 million dollar number I I don't know if it's not Houston like who's out there who's who's coming after? there were some
0: rumors for what it's worth
1: Yeah. But then that turns into a much more complicated, like you have to move CP3 and you're giving up whatever asset. They don't even have assets to trade. They traded them all to get Kevin Durant. So like, how do you facilitate the Chris Paul trade? And it's just like, there are a lot of complications to something like that.
0: And I just don't really see it. So before we dive into the money part of that, I think that since we last talked, from the fans, at least, there has been a lot of blowback on James Harden to the point where I was on the WIP morning show this morning and they asked me whether or not I would give Harden two years, 70 million, and 87% of the people in the poll said no, which is and that's like,
1: essentially the contract he's on exactly, right now.
0: Right. So I mean the chance of that happening, I would say, are slim. Then again, who knows? But the what I wanted to ask you was this: the feeling amongst the fans. And, and I would say a lot of media is just get this guy out of here. Don't bring him back. Like the loser energy, just they need to kind of reshuffle the chairs on the deck, like all those things before we get into what we think about that. What do you think the team thinks? Do you think the team is fully? Yes. At the right price, we will bring James back. Or do you think there is maybe some feeling some similar feelings to what fans have?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I think, Daryl Morey's history with Harden makes a lot of people believe like, oh, he's just coming back no matter what. They're going to pay him no matter what. I would say that I'm not going to say Daryl would be like happy to see him walk, but I think Daryl looks at it like he does anything else. It's a numbers game. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, if James comes back at the same number, essentially, I think he would be thrilled. Like, I think he'd be happy to just have this guy back. Now, that's got to be probably a shorter-term deal. Like If you have him for the next two, three years at the same number he's on now, and you think James is like truly bought in at that number, that's a great situation to be in because you still have chances to compete. I know, look, the season ended how it did. They folded in Game 7, and I have severe questions about James and probably more especially Joel after the way they they folded at the end of that series – but you just don't have an immediate way to replace James Harden's production. And if your argument is, hey, we're going to go into this as a gap year, we let him walk and then we'll you see what's out there in free agency a year after that when Tobias Harris is also off the books, well then you're you've essentially become the New York Knicks where it's like yeah. every year it's like, "Well, we could get this guy and we could get that guy. And if you don't get that guy, who's the one who actually ties together the team, well, then what? Well, then you're throwing, you know, $25 million at a role player. And then the leftover money goes to somebody who's not worth the money. And it's, you know, that's a dangerous game to play. So I always think it's better to just have the star player in hand. And as long as you don't put James on one of those, like, ridiculous untradable contracts you could go to the deadline this year and say look James is productive James is this James is that let's flip them for something else like I, I don't mm-hmm. think that if you have them for a couple years on reasonable money that that's a bad thing where you start getting into trouble and where I think the rubber is going to meet the road here is that not only does James want the money, James also wants the years and the long-term security, and that's where I think things are going to get dicey.
0: Well, and there was also a report, or at least some, some commentary, that James also wants to have the offense perhaps more focused around him or at least going back to more what he was when he was in Houston. Um, so one thing you said in there that caught my attention uh, that I think is an important question is, is James coming back at whatever number he's coming back at happy? Like, is he going to buy all into what the Sixers are doing? Or is this going to be a situation where the Sixers offer him the most money? So he's like, I'll just take it. I'll come back. But then if he's not, if his heart is still in Houston, that's not good overall. But is James going to be happy coming back and running the same type of offense that they did before? And that gets into the coaching search and everything. But I guess my question to you would be, Would you be concerned about giving James this money and then he gets he comes back and there's potential infighting in terms of, well, James truly believes they should run this offense. Joel's always been the guy like that's another kind of do they just break it clean off thing of is James going to come back and be happy to do the sacrificing that he's spoken pretty openly about that he's done at least this past year. And he would probably argue since he got here.
1: Well, so that to me is sort of the most important thing here where, and I wrote this end of last week, if James truly wants to go to Houston and the only reason he'd come back to Philly is like, Oh, you're giving me more money or whatever it is. I think you should just walk away from him. I don't Mm -hmm. think this should be a situation where you're essentially letting James dictate the terms of your team, whether that means who they're hiring as a head coach. Now I've like, look, there's, important nuance here, right? If you bring back James Harden, and he's one of the two most important people on your team, do you want a coach who's going to specifically accentuate his strengths? Yes. But you want to do that and you just pick a coach who's the best at coaching basketball or coaching the style that they want to run. Not because James Harden said, that's who I want to be the head coach, right? You're not doing this. And I would say the same thing with Joel. I said it the other day, like, Don't just hire somebody because Joel likes them. Hire somebody because they're going to get the best out of Joel and they make Mm -hmm. sense on paper with Joel and your organization because things could change in the span of, you know, a few months, a year, two years, whatever it is. So I would be concerned if if it's like a hard line stance that Harden needs more freedom and he's got to be, you know, Houston James Harden and this and that. I guess the only exception there would be if Joel walked into the room and said, I'll take a step back on offense and apply that energy on defense, if that's what's best for the team. Now, I would say that's probably not what's best for the team at this point because James Harden simply can't do this every night. Like I just don't believe that he's capable of being, you know, 30 plus point per game James Harden. If he was we would see that more like you can't tell yeah. me james can say yeah i'm bought into what doc wants to do all that there are plenty of times where he just can't get by guys or he yeah. defers when he shouldn't like he clearly is not where he was previously physically or mentally to be that level of score so i just you can't bring him back under the expectation that oh yeah it's it's james's show james is just going to run everything there's got there is a middle ground you can say from day one, they'll stagger their stars and they will have more time running these lineups without Joel. He can be kind of the guy you spread the floor, you run up and down, all that. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: end of the day, Joel's the number one guy here,
0: and he should be. So, this is where I think the relationships are going to be so important in terms of combing through and finding out the truth. We obviously know Daryl has a long and presumably good relationship. With James Harden he's been with Joel for a few years they don't have a head coach right now not ideal in ciphering through and you know figuring all this stuff out but what the the information they need to collect to make this James decision is whatever roles they think people are going to have next year are people actually bought in because there is no ignoring the tension in the situation right now from a team perspective I have been covering Philadelphia sports for like 10 years I can't remember the last time the Sixers dominated conversation for as long as they have after this loss. People are furious at this team. In a way, I have- Rightfully
1: so, by the way. like All the anger is justified.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. But the point I'm making is like, when they go into next year, if you thought last year was wake me up when the playoffs begin, next year is going to be I'm going to yell at you up until the playoffs begin. And I'm going to be (laughs) mad at you. And so if James Harden comes into next year and he says, you know what? Okay. I'll do the, the, the same thing. And Joe or flip it. Joel says, all right, James is going to come back. I'm okay. Being a second option on offense. Let's try it out. It just has a recipe for disaster to me, especially with the tension of the thing. So, As much as the money is an important part of this, I think just finding out the honest to God truth from people is the most important part in making this decision, because if they get told one thing and then you get a month into the season on a three year deal or whatever it is, forget the money. You might not survive this year in terms of it just completely collapsing. And then we get to the whole, you know, Joel asking out things. So to me in all of this, and I would bring back James. But I think the most important thing is just finding out the truth from people on where are they at? Are they, are you okay with this? And if you are, are, do I believe that you will stick with that when times get tough early on in the year? So that's an extremely important part of this too. But the James Harden money thing, educate me on this because I cover a league closely in the NFL where money is basically fake. You can just move it around. And I know that's not (laughs) the case in the NBA, but tell me why this wouldn't just be wrong next year. They need James Harden to be a contender. If they have James Harden, they will once again be a top whatever seed in the East. They will probably be in the second round and they will have a chance to win a title. So from that perspective, why am I worried about whether it's 35 or 45 for years three and four? Like they have a chance to win now. Why not just worry about getting him back and trying to win and figure out 2024's problems in 2024?
1: Well, so there are a few things there. One and this is the hanging over the entire league with the new CBA that they just negotiated. Mm-hmm. If you are one of the teams above they, uh, so essentially there used to be, there's an apron line and that was like, if you're a hard cat team, you can't go over it. And there are some teams that just went way over the apron line, like the Clippers, the Warriors, and yeah. they wanted to compete. So they're keeping these really expensive teams. So now they've created what's a sec- effectively a second apron, which, if you go over that, you lose the ability to do a lot of stuff. Like, you, I have to, um,
0: it's a hard find cap right
1: now. Yeah. No, it's worse than a hard cap. Well, I mean, so like, it
0: penalizes you. Like, yeah, it
1: penalizes you in a way that it's, you can't trade cash, for example, you okay. can't use the mid level exception. You can't aggregate salary and trade. So, like, you wouldn't be able to combine two players. Like, you couldn't take DeAnthony Melton and somebody else's con- and PJ's contract, for example, and turn them into one $20 million player or whatever okay. that adds up to. So, there are a lot of penalties. It also. I believe if you're there for a certain amount of time, you actually get your pick moved to the back of the first round or something yeah. like that. but that's like that's an extreme example. I would assume yeah. that that probably won't happen. And, but point being, there are so many penalties associated with the second apron that there there's a lot of speculation right now around the league and informed speculation like people who are really plugged in that a lot of stars are going to move this summer or before the deadline, because teams are going to try to turn, you know, a star into maybe two valuable role players and Mm -hmm. just more flexible salary and try to stay light. And it's going to put more pressure on teams to try to develop internally. And really it's, I think the whole thing is stupid and it's just bailing out owners who don't want to spend to try to win. Like, Steve Ballmer wants to pay, you know, $400 million with, with the yeah. luxury tax and all that to try to put a contender on the floor. That's his prerogative. And if you're not willing to try to meet what he's spending, then, you know, get out of the NBA ownership business. But that's a real concern, not just with Harden, it's with anybody over the next few years. Is If you get over that apron by a dollar, like it doesn't have to be a ton of money. Mm -hmm. You have a a series of penalties that you have to deal with because of that. And the loss of – I think the big one for the Sixers would be if you don't have the mid-level exception, which is how they sign P.J. Tucker, that's very difficult to just like add guys in the offseason to try to – if you're a team that needs to take one more leap, that's basically your ability to get there and to get role players year
0: to year, and that's a big problem. So do you know – is, is the expectation that the CBA will be signed before this Harden thing happens, or is this like months away? I, I, I'm just curious. Oh, I, I think
1: it. it's already been, I want to say it's ratified. I think teams oh, okay. are so, still working through all the
0: last details. I'm not a
1: hundred percent. So the Sixers wrong.
0: will know the Sixers will have a pretty good idea of what they're doing with Harden in terms of how it impacts a new CBA that that's yes. a fair. Okay. Yeah. So, with all that being And that's
1: said- just number 1. Like there's uh, the, the other part is like if you just if you take all that stuff away. And we're talking about, you know, 4 years from now, James Harden is on I'm not saying he's going to be Tobias Harris because James Harden at his worst is still like more impactful and better than Tobias right. Harris is. he had more than But if four. you're on like a worse version of the Tobias Harris contract, like look at Russell Westbrook when he signed his contract, nobody's thinking well, maybe some people were thinking, <laughs> oh my God, he's going to be like unplayable and he's going to break your team by being there. Right. He's on a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis and they essentially just got better by turning him into role players who were just okay. Like nobody yeah. on that team that they got back is like, oh my God, I can't believe he's on the Lakers now. So that's the that's the risk of this whole thing, right? And to go further on the Westbrook analogy, the whole problem with him is not that Russell Westbrook can impact the team if he's in the right role. It's that Russell Westbrook thinks he's still Russell Westbrook from, you know, MVP era and like all NBA type era. James Harden, all this stuff we're hearing about, he wants yeah. more freedom. He wants to do this. He didn't like being in the role that Doc Rivers had him in. Well, if that's the case, then that's the real danger that as you get deeper into this contract, James Harden is just not happy with what he's doing. And look, you can trade any star for a good amount of money. If that star is playing well, it doesn't matter if they won out or not. But if that star is just like actively sabotaging your team, and we've seen James Harden do that before when he's not happy, that's a big problem. So
0: all that Put together what the Sixers think, the CBA implications. Um, I believe, excuse me, I believe I'm correct in saying that if he just flat out walks, all they have is a $12 million mid-level exception or whatever it is, right? Like that would be the only resource they have in free agency to add. Obviously, they could trade Toby and, and try to do that. So where are you at with it? Like, would you re-sign James Harden? And is there a hard number where you're like, I'm not doing that? Are you in the camp of? Get him out of here, no matter what. Just, just curious with wh- where you stand on everything, on your opinion, not the Sixers. Your opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the number, as you brought up earlier, with like a two-year seventy or whatever. I think if you keep him around the number that he's on, I think that's probably fair. Because I think, look, he was he didn't make All NBA, but I think he was like. Right below that threshold. Like he was, he was at least competing for that this year. Really, if he had not missed a month or whatever that was, beginning of the season, I think there's a pretty good chance he would have made it because I think the record would have been better. And I think, you know, his numbers would have been pretty undeniable. So, yeah, I would, if if the big if, again, as we keep saying, is like, does he really want to be here? Or is this going to be a situation where it's about securing the money and then he's looking elsewhere like he just he gets the 4 years for however many million dollars and then says i don't actually want to be here he turns around in january and says trade me to phoenix or trade me to yeah. houston or trade me to wherever i still think that's an okay position to be in for the sixers if james harden looks as good as he did last year next year because i like look kevin durant is better than james harden and has been for quite a long time But Kevin Durant, the whole league knew, wanted out, but was under contract, and they were able to get a fortune from the Phoenix Suns. So as long as you have a guy playing at a star level who teams believe is going to hold up into the future, and that's the big question with James, you can recoup the value on the trade market. So I'd always say, sign the guy as long as the deal isn't
0: a crappy deal, and
1: figure out the rest later.
0: So... The reason I would resign James Harden, and I think you're right, James Harden right now, and it feels weird to talk about humans like this, but he is an asset. Like it is what it is. He is one of the best players in the league at his position that the Sixers currently have the ability to retain. And I think more times than not, to your point, your point about the 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 future and the CBA and the apron is a good one. But I also think if he just leaves, they've allowed one of their best assets in the franchise to walk for nothing. Like, we, we, you know, I like Maxi. He's probably, he is a better asset now, I would argue, because of his age. But after that, it's like Joel, and then that's it. There's no other draft picks that people would really, you know, value. So James is a huge asset. And for that reason, I agree. Try to bring him in, make it work. But I also think people are underestimating that this team could win next year. I get the frustration right now and and how we all feel and and the bad taste in our mouth and everything is 100% true. But if they can get to the second round again, they're one of the final eight teams. Maybe Giannis breaks, you know, or injures his back like he did for the Heat. Maybe the Sixers go on a streak where they're making an absurd amount of threes like the Heat are all of a sudden. I think what we've lost in the discussion and the emotion of the defeat is the Sixers have had a chance every single year to win it and they have not done it. And I understand the, If you fail repeatedly, why would you do it again? But this idea that it's super easy to get to the second round and it's super easy to get in the top four of the East continually is not true. And if Harding comes back, they will have a really good chance of doing that. I don't think this is a collapse situation, as ugly as it will be. If they have the same exact roster with an upgrade at coach, they could be a top two seed, maybe even the one seed if things break their way from a health perspective. So I just, the idea of blowing it up, is, is somewhat like 5% interesting to me, but I think people are undervaluing the chances team has to win next year. And from that perspective, yes, if they could trade for Dame Lillard, I would be more interested in that probably than James Harden, but that's probably not happening. Or if it does, it's a small chance. So I can't just let James Harden walk. Would it pain me to give him three years, 150 million, or, you know, to pick a, a big number? Yes, of course. I don't ever want to pay anybody more money. Jalen Hurts is a fantastic quarterback. I wish the Eagles were paying him eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Like, there's no benefit to me when uh, they see. Got I don't. Him. I mean,
1: I I don't wish that. I wish they were paying him a billion dollars or whatever. Okay. Well, like, I mean, let
0: me, you. What I, what I'm <laughs> saying is, what I'm saying is, it's never a good thing to play to pay a player more money from a team building perspective. Obviously, yeah. personally, I I am happy Jalen made all the money. But from a team building perspective, if you could get James Harden under the cap for 20 million of course that's better than 50 million but the reality is they need him back next year they just do like we can be mad at james and everything james is negotiating from a position of power to an extent because they need him they do they need him so i would bring him back point blank period of course i would not want to give him a max deal and i respect more if he can negotiate it i am a horrendous negotiator have i ever told you the story about when i bought my first car
1: no, that might be the end of the podcast. Okay. Uh, Maybe I'll
0: save it. But trust me, I'm a bad negotiator. But I really think the most important outcome of this has to be retaining James Harden. If they lose Harden, they're in a really tough spot for next year. Like point blank period. I would say I'm a decent negotiator,
1: but mostly because my mom is an absolute savage in negotiations <laughs> and taught me yeah. a little bit about, you know, how is to she uh, in like
0: real estate or something or
1: no, well, she was at one point, but she just oh, is yeah. very good at like doing the whole I'll walk away thing. Oh, and I'm so
0: bad at that. Also, a like, people pleaser
1: and dealing with and this is like a lesser level than like buying a car and stuff. But, you know, going to Comcast, I mean, like I want to cu- talk to customer retention. So <laughs> I don't 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 send me to the other people. Like, yes, just knows to like get to the right people and things like so just little things. So, uh,
0: I'm much the more years. the person that calls customer service and acts tough for like two seconds. And then they'd say no. And I'm like, all right, well, thank you for the help today. That'll be it. <laughs> like, very empty bark uh, to Elliot, but all right. So you'd bring Harden back at the right number. I seem to, I would say fairly, like I'm more in the camp of you have to bring him back. Um, a big part of all this is who's going to be coaching the team. Um, there's been a lot of different reports Since we last talked, I believe Nick Nurse. It was reported they will interview him. Correct me if I'm wrong, or they either have or will. Um, There was a report yesterday that Frank Vogel was on a flight to Philly, so maybe Frank Vogel is in it. Um, Just going to the
1: Jersey Shore, back to his old stopping ground. Yeah, maybe that
0: was it. Yeah, Um, curious what uh, what what you think of all the coaching uh, coaching search reporting. There was also the James wanted Doc uh, fired thing. If we wanted to get into that a little. Um, and Joel being potentially mad about it. Just what What are all your coaching search thoughts?
1: Um, so again, they're very focused on outside of Sam Cassell. They're very focused on like the championship or near championship type coaches, guys who have coached and won at the highest levels, which makes guys sense, like right? That. Like, yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, I understand both sides of it. I do think that, they maybe could use uh, a younger, more inventive type coach. It's part of why I default to Nick Nurse uh, of the names that are there. Cause we've at least seen from him in big moments, like, yeah, he'll just try anything. Like he'll throw some stuff at the wall, really defensively more than offensively, which are all my concerns with him or how does he set up an offense and what does he do with these guys? Like you give them to High-level offensive players, maybe a third. If Maxie takes another leap, right? And if they're just running like basic offense, then what was the point of it all? Because I don't think they're going to win through defense alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, like it's funny. I saw somebody, somebody with a Miami Heat license plate in the city the other day. <laughs> that that was I was like. Friend. Well, I'm not going to say the name of the license plate, but it was like it indicated they were on one of the Heat title teams. Really? And so I'm going through the roster. I was like, who could that be that might be a coaching candidate? So, like, that's the kind of mindset you're in right a now. Is like you're always you need right there. You're just keeping an eye on, yeah, I'm not going to dime out <laughs> anybody. Uh, it could just be a random person that just so happened to have love a, themselves uh, the heat. Yeah. A Miami Heat themed license plate on their luxury car driving through <laughs> uh, Center City, Philadelphia. Um, so, that's the like antenna up at all times mindset right now. It seems to me that if Milwaukee ends up wanting Nick Nurse above everybody else, that their process is going to conclude sooner and that might box the Sixers out. Now, Milwaukee's pool of candidates that they're interviewing seems to be wider and more varied. It's not the, like, they're coming off of firing Mike Budenholzer. And so they've given consideration to, you know, maybe younger assistants and, and more unique names in the coaching search process. So maybe they don't end up hiring him. And that puts the Sixers, I would say, in a pretty good spot if they want Nurse to be their guy. And I do think he should be, if he's not at the top of the list, he should be near it for sure. Um, but that I think is probably the most important domino to fall because like quite frankly, if we're just looking at the two jobs as they stand right now, the Bucks job is probably more attractive than the Sixers job just because Giannis has done it before. I know they Mm -hmm. just had a more spectacular failure than the Sixers did, but they at least have, have a run under their belts to create belief from a coach that like, yeah, if I'm just better than Budenholzer, we could win a title like next year. Yeah. Do you have that same belief with Joel and James, who James has a extensive history of playoff failure and Joel certainly at this point, does not have a good track record in the playoffs under a couple of different coaches. I don't know,
0: man. I I sort of think that bucks job will, will get priority over the Sixers one. Well, not to mention the sun's job. You have Kevin Durant there and Devin Booker uh, and arguably a more kind of wide open Western conference. And if the Celtics do get swept or maybe even at this point, it's going to happen anyway, Joe Mazzulla could be fired. And then you have that Celtics job and who knows what happens with Jalen Brown, but you could make an argument. That's a better job, too. Um, I thought it was interesting. Daryl Morey said at his press conference that the search could take a while or paraphrasing. I think he said he didn't expect a quick resolution. Maybe it was how he phrased it. That's interesting because a lot of the names they've been tied to are available unless they're waiting for somebody that's on the heat uh, Celtic staff or, you know, uh, I guess now only the Nuggets. Then what what would be the holdup in that regard? I know you want to take your time and meet all these guys, but at the same time, there is competition out there. The Bucks job, the Suns job, potentially the Celtics job by this time tomorrow, if you're listening or if you're listening to this on Wednesday. So I get that they want to take their time. But when you don't have the most attractive job out there, there could be a benefit for them of just trying to jump the gun and say, look, we know we want this guy. Let's just, let's just make it happen.
1: Well, do you want the cynical view of it? I'm not saying that this is the yeah. cynical view says they're saying it's going to take a while because they know they're hiring Dan Tony, who's not in the mix for any of these other jobs. Good and point. they're trying to make it seem like they're looking at everybody and, oh, we couldn't get this guy. He's coaching the Bucks, and this guy's coaching the Suns. Well, well yeah. you know, Mike's still a great fit and we love him. And he's the guy we wanted all along. And, you know, that's, you can envision the sales pitch in your head. Like I can hear the press conference. Yeah. And it's a good explanation. You're right. In terms of saying, well, we couldn't hire these guys. So, yeah. So like we could say now, again, I don't think that I still think I still kind of lean toward D'Antoni will probably end up being the guy, but I don't think it's like, yeah, they're just hiring him no matter what. So I don't think I, it's a good question. I don't really know. Why they're saying it's going to take a long time? Because in theory, these guys are all flying yeah, very right. quickly to Philadelphia. It's not like oh, you're giving everybody their own week to be in the city
0: and like
1: yeah, lay out a week long pitch to down their their family either.
0: here and decide where their kids are going to go. Like a lot of this can be done probably over the phone with an agent. So. I would be surprised if in two weeks they don't have a head coach. I, I think it would be, be quicker than that. But you are right about D'Antoni and the the benefit of saying it'll take a while is then you just hire him when everyone else gets hired. Um, do you have a preference? Any more of a preference since we last talked?
1: I think it's Nurse. Like If I had to say, if you had your pick of, at least from the list of names there, and we talked about the difficulty of, trying to weigh in on assistant coaches if they were to get there at some point, Mm -hmm. which they haven't yet. It's just that I don't, I can't tell you what, for example, Chris Quinn in Miami really does. We can go off of what people report, but Spolstra has been so good for so long that I can't sit here and be like, oh yeah, you hire that guy. You're set. He could be a total dud for all we know. And we've seen plenty of great assistants under great coaches. Well, great assistants, air quotes, be terrible head coaches. So you never know with them. But I just think, I think Nurse, he has proven to be enough of a hard ass on his guys that I think he'll probably come in and light a bit of a fire under Joel, if nothing else. Yeah. I do think he's inventive with his defenses. And look, there are people who I think have been a little too hard on the roster saying they're not athletic enough. They're not this. You could put together lineups that have D'Anthony Melton and Paul Reed and Jalen McDaniels, assuming he comes back in free agency you, anyway.
0: Or 70 points, but yeah.
1: Right, but I'm saying yeah. they have guys they can throw on the floor that if you wanted to run stuff that's not 2-3 zone every time and you wanted to throw more exotic looks at teams, you wanted to throw a, a full-court press at a team every once in a while you could definitely do it. And I think nurse would be helpful in that regard. I would need to see something from him offensively because I'd have to go back and watch the Raptors title run. It really just seemed like a whole lot of Kawhi just being Michael Jordan essentially Mm -hmm. and clear out for Kawhi and he's going to get it done. Now that's, that's my hazy recollection of, of that run of many years later I was going to say COVID and my brain. Yeah. After my brain has been changed (laughs) by like 8,000 different things over the last four years or whatever. But I think he's the best candidate if we're looking at each of them individually. But again, it's so hard to tell because he has not
0: looked good over the last two years with Toronto. Um. So speaking of Miami and this mysterious license plate, hopefully it's not Joel's car with the Miami (laughs) Heat license plate driving through South Philly. But I do want to touch on the playoffs in general, but mostly from a Sixers perspective. Uh, When we last talked, I was saying pretty confidently that the Sixers loss didn't look so bad to me because the Celtics are a great team and they're going to beat the Heat and, and they're probably going to win the title. Well, they're not dead yet, but it certainly is not looking like that is going to be the case. I'm curious when you look at how it all ties to the Sixers, the Heat, the the Celtics losing. Um, obviously the Jimmy Butler aspect of the Heat. And then the Jokic thing in Denver. Like, what's your biggest thought from from everything that's happened post Sixers being alive?
1: Well, that I hope Joel enjoyed his one ever MVP award because oh, he's my not, God. he is not getting one over Jokic again. That, uh, like
0: <laughs> well, he's a better player, so that'll help him. Jokic
1: is averaging 30, 13, and 10 yeah. and is in the NBA finals. He will, never, he will never win a better player argument against Jokic again until, until or unless he goes on a finals run and probably wins the title because I think Denver is going to beat Miami. I won't say easily because Miami has been so well coached and has been on such a hot shooting run that mm-hmm. you never really know. But Jokic is about to win a title, putting up insane numbers, and Joel's not going to be able to overcome that. It doesn't matter what you think stylistically. It doesn't matter what you think about anything, really. It's like,
0: that argument is dead now. So the Jokic thing, the Heat thing, and the Celtics thing all kind of tie into my main thought from these playoffs, which is... It's all just dumb luck in a way. The Nuggets got to play the Timberwolves. They played the a Suns team that Chris Chris Paul was hurt on. Then they get to play another play-in team with the Lakers. And now they're going to play a Heat team that is also a play-in team. And I get that regular season is not the best indication. And these teams have LeBron and AD and Jimmy. So maybe it's not the best representation. But the Sixers had to play a two-seed in the Celtics, who, by the way, shot the same they did all year, The heat people want to say like this heat culture and oh my God, look at the heat are just shooting way better. The heat are just shooting way better than they did in the regular season. The the heat are shooting something like 40% against the Celtics, uh, which is the best in the playoffs overall so far. And they were 27th in the league in three point percentage prior to the playoffs. So as much as the heat culture and and Jimmy's a winner and, and Tatum's a winner until he's not a winner and Jokic is a winner and Embiid's not a winner, it mostly just comes down to who makes shots. And that's to me, it's literally been like putting me in a straitjacket these last five days. Like it's all I can think about. Like it's so frustrating to think about the fact that now Jokic is going to be labeled a winner when he got to play all these, let's be real, like borderline trash teams. Embiid gets the best version of the Celtics to a certain extent, Tatum and Brown struggled somewhat, but they played way better than they are against the Heat. And I don't think it's the Heat culture that's making the Celtics uh, miss all these shots. I still believe Embiid's a better player than Jokic. I still believe that the Sixers would have beaten the Miami Heat. And so I feel helpless as all these things I think look so wrong all the time, but it's just, it's how I feel. Like I, I don't, Jokic has been impressive. There's no doubt about it. I still think Embiid's a better player. And I still think they would have beaten the Heat. Like, am I just super crazy or?
1: Oh, I, I mean, you can't say they would have beaten the Heat for sure, given that the team that was mentally tougher than them at the end of the series but they lost
0: they is getting I mean, like,
1: absolutely – Yes.
0: What are you talking but, about? Well, well, I'm saying, you just like, talked so, about this last week on the podcast, that Joel and James folded when it they mattered. Folded, but they folded for sure in game seven. But also, I don't know, like game six, I, I just – I think this whole mentally tough thing is so attached to cuz after game 7 we would have sat there and gone, yeah, Tatum and Brown, man, they're winners. Like that's who you want your guys to be. And then they're getting smoked by the Heat. So now they're losers, right? Or Jimmy Butler, who's this ultimate winner, didn't he lose to the Hawks in a play-in game? Like I I I I think when people are saying go trade for winners. Okay, well then tell me who. Like who who fits this like all-encompassing label of a winner that that the Sixers don't have. Like Giannis, he's a winner. He just lost to an eight seed. I, I just, I don't know. that that Who are the players that qualify for this mentally tough category we're looking at?
1: Well, I also want to circle back to you crying about, oh,
0: the Sixers had to play the two seed. They did. Oh, they got to play.
1: <laughs> yeah, guess what? That's the benefit of being the number one seed in the West. You get to play worse teams the rest of the playoffs. You want to have an easier path win your fucking games in the regular season. Yeah, like, sorry, exactly. that's, and the Nuggets were able to do that despite messing around for like half well, of March in a, or whatever
0: conference, but yeah,
1: they are, but like, like the well, Sixers man, won
0: more games
1: again, it's hard to make the argument. Oh, the Sixers had such a tough road when, you know, the Celtics are getting absolutely smoked by Miami right now and gave they up are. essentially in game three. Like, I don't want to hear it, man. Jokic was out there in game four, Making plays when it mattered to close out the Lakers. Like that's what a, a guy who's at an MVP level is supposed to do. Instead, it's we're playing the pity party. Woe is me. Oh, another injury for Joel. And look, I'm not trying to make light of. I he was hurt and he's dealing with a knee issue and whatever. But it's every single year there's an excuse. And for James Harden, every single year, oh, it's the coach had me playing a certain way and I had to do this for the team and I had to do that figure it the fuck out, man. Like you're passing up layups at the rim. I don't, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear that you didn't get along with doc and doc put you in this role. And you know, the Celtics messed you up by playing a double big lineup. And like, if they had a better coach, might they have won that series? Sure. You could sell me on that, but the players didn't do their jobs. And so I don't want to hear anything from these guys, except we need to learn from our loss and apply that to moving forward. That's Period. That's all I want to hear from these
0: guys. I I agree from them. I will continue to have a pity party, on the other hand. I'm allowed (laughs) to to pity party. Um, Last thing before we get out of here. Denver in the finals. Like, where do you... I am so sick of this. These people on Twitter that are like, "Oh, like this is so exciting! It's Denver, Miami. Like get out of here, man! Like Lakers, Boston would have been way better. Nobody wants to watch Denver. Nobody. They were 27th in the league in road attendance. Nobody watches their games in Denver because this dumb like blackout TV thing they're having, where their games even aren't even on cable. I hate the kind of like." thing i'm seeing where it's like oh it'll be such a good series i mean where do you fall on denver i tweeted
1: not- it's gonna be a good series oh get so. out of
0: here i can't believe you tweeted that i'm so disappointed in you Kyle.
1: would you rather watch <laughs> the fucking celtics who are puking all over themselves yes. and the lakers who are not good enough
0: yes than- it's la boston it's la boston versus I don't denver fucking, who
1: cares
0: it's one of the best rivalries of all time
1: Elliot. Jimmy Butler and Nikola Jokic are the two best players in these playoffs. They're going to play in the finals. That's what matters. I don't give a shit about oh what because Magic Johnson played in the fucking eighties against Larry Bird. I'm supposed to care about? yeah. Yeah, they played Kobe in 2008 and 2010. That's literally there are guys who are in like middle school who are in the league now that we're not even paying attention to basketball at that point.
0: Right, but I just think there's this thing with Denver, Miami, where people are doing the like it's gonna be such great basketball and like that. Where I'm like, I don't know, man. Like more people want to see LA, Boston. I think that's just a fact. And so I just I am not looking. Yeah, because there are
1: more Celtics and Lakers fans. I don't care about the ratings. I'm here to watch basketball. I don't. If ABC sells ad inventory, why the hell do I care? Well, how does that impact me as a viewer or someone
0: who likes basketball? It doesn't at all. I don't care. Right. You are looking forward to seeing the basketball matchup. I want to see a more exciting two weeks of, of like, I mean, coverage isn't the right word, but in terms of just, I want to see LeBron, I want to see LeBron versus. Well, It's going to be two
1: weeks of them talking about if LeBron's going to retire after his press conference last night. So like that's what it'll be
0: because no one's going to care about Denver, Miami. That's why LeBron is. Well, that's stupid.
1: It's two. These are giant legacy series for Jimmy Butler and Nikola Jokic. Like this would vault either player way up the all-time
0: rankings from where they're uh, at right now. I don't know. I see your point, but I think that no one cares enough about these players to actually vault them up. And I also think Jokic, you I definitely
1: just, don't. If you're, if you watch it from a reality TV perspective, yeah, well, that's what you. I
0: watch things for. You know, I'm, I'm excited right. for the Vanderpump Pumper you know, Wednesday night. So of course this is the way I'm, uh, I'm looking at it, but no, I, uh, I just, I, I can't do more Jokic, man. I cannot watch him anymore. Jimmy, at least Jimmy, I will be rooting hard for Jimmy, but I can't do the Jokic thing. Um, All right. This has been a fun pod. It's good to have you uh, talk to you again. It had been a while since we did one of these. So happy to have you uh, shit all over my uh, LA Boston <laughs> thing. Feels like we're back on track. Um, any final thoughts or points before we get out of here?
1: No, go, go watch Vanderpump Rules and leave uh, leave the NBA Finals. It, so.
0: <laughs> all right. You watch Denver-Miami. I'll be watching uh, Scandable on Vanderpump, and we'll call it even after that. So, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This has been fun. We will actually be back later this week. Uh, Going to get to a more consistent schedule now that it's the off season and Kyle's beautiful house is all put together. So, thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure you download that Odyssey app. And, Kyle, I'll talk to you next time. See you soon, guys.